yourself recently looking around at things and, uh, and thinking to yourself or maybe saying to somebody, this world needs Jesus. Anybody been thinking that lately or, or saying that lately? I am here to remind you this morning, this world needs Jesus. And I'm also here to remind you that you are in it. I am in it to bring him to them. That we are here to bring Jesus to the world that's fundamental to who we are and what we're about. So uh, without a doubt, these are challenging times. We're in our third month of restrictions uh, related to the coronavirus situation. Uh, social unrest uh, continues to abound from peaceful protests to violent riots. And coming soon, I think we can anticipate what may be the wildest, angriest, rootinest, tootinest presidential election in modern history. With all of that going on, this morning, we're going to begin a brief teaching series at Resurrection Church on kingdom living that we're simply calling How to Love Others Well. We're going to build it on the words and the wisdom of Jesus simply walking together for the next month or so, simply walking together through Matthew chapter 18. We're going to look at what Jesus has to show us about how to treat other people, what Jesus has to show us about how to love others well. Not just in the cheap, emotional ways of the world, but in the tough, rock-solid ways of the kingdom of God. A lot of people are asking today, what can I do? What, what, can, I, what can I do? What can I do about all the anger? What can I do about all the hatred? What can I do about racism? What can I do about injustice? And the Bible answer is, you can love people really, really well. You can care about the hurts and the fears and the frustrations of others. You can listen. You can befriend. You can speak up for people when they're mistreated. You can step in to help rebuild things, to help rebuild broken windows, to help rebuild broken lives and families. You can learn to really love well. Because with all the noise and all the tweets and all the speeches flying around right now, love is still the command of God. Love God and love people. And frankly, if I were you, I'd be very careful about trying to make it much more complicated than that. Because that's when things tend to go awry. Trying to make it much more complicated than really, really loving God and really, really loving people tends to lead to things like legalism and self-righteousness and false conclusions and judgmentalism. When people really want to help, when they really want to make a difference, but they try it by making it more complicated than loving God and loving people, they almost always catch the disease. What I mean by that is they start to react to other people out of the very same sin they mean to be fighting. So with the world around us in chaos, what does Jesus have to say about how to respond as the people of God? What does Jesus have to say about how to love people well? To get us focused and moving this morning, would you stand with me as you're able and willing to do that? We're going to look together this morning at Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Uh, if you're here in, in the room with me, I'm going to read the plain text. If you'll join me in reading the highlighted portions. If you're at home, you feel free to read it all. But uh, Matthew 18, beginning verse 1, this is what the Bible says. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
he called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Now, in this particular passage, Jesus doesn't actually start talking until verse 3. But when he does, man, he really lays it out there. He opens up his comments by calling his disciples to repent telling them that unless they change, unless they turn, they will never enter the kingdom of God. That's a pretty sharp rebuke, but it's one they definitely had coming. In spite of everything they'd seen, everything they'd heard, everything they'd learned from Jesus, here they were arguing amongst themselves about who is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And right here in this episode, Jesus shows us what it looks like. Jesus shows you what it looks like to love somebody enough to treat them like a genuine disciple. To love somebody enough to live out with them the practical implications of church and of the kingdom of God. You see, in the kingdom of God and the discipleship culture of the kingdom of God, People love each other enough to address the issues in their lives. People love each other enough to call them on their issues. In this particular incident in Matthew chapter 18, the disciples revealed a staggering sort of self-centeredness. And Jesus revealed His love for them by pointing it out and then calling them to something better. This world is a broken mess. And Jesus has planted you and me in it to love it and bless it and help it and make it better. When I was a little kid, I had this joke book. I used to keep it with me all all the time, take it with me everywhere. I still remember what it looked like, still remember a lot of the jokes in it. One of the jokes went like this. What do you need to know in order to train a dog? And the answer was, you need to know more than the dog. It wasn't a very good joke book. But I remember that. Listen, this world is a hot mess. But if you are going to help this world, you must know more than it. You must be wiser than the world. You must be more loving than the world. You must be more like Jesus than what you find in the world. As disciples who make disciples, we must be constantly growing closer to Jesus and constantly becoming more like Jesus and constantly helping other people do the same. So let me hit sit here for just a minute and ask you two really big questions. And the first big question is this. How is God changing you right now? Not how does He need to change your spouse, but how is He changing you right now? What's He talking to you about? What's He calling you to change Because part of your role, part of your function as a witness for Jesus is to testify every opportunity you get to how He has changed you and how He is changing you. How has Jesus dealt with your pride? How has Jesus dealt with your insecurity? 
How has Jesus given you more peace? How has Jesus given you more joy? As disciples of Jesus, we are all supposed to constantly be learning and growing and changing. And the second big question is, do you love people enough to call them out on their stuff, to help them recognize their sin and try to leave it behind? In my life, I am incredibly fortunate to have a number of people who are very willing to challenge me from time to time. My wife leads the list. She challenges me all the time. But Pastor Matt is great about it. Norman Manley, all the elders, Paul Baker, uh, David Ray, they're very faithful. My son Will, very consistently. If he thinks I'm off, if he thinks I'm uh, wrong, he is willing and he loves me enough to step in and suggest it. My son Benjamin, I am so grateful for them. For their willingness to love me enough to be willing to step in and speak up if they think I'm off. They think I'm wrong. Listen, unless you're really, really angry with people, unless you're really, really angry with someone, it's never easy to call them on something they might need to change. Nobody wants to hurt somebody's feelings. Nobody wants people to be mad at them. But if we're going to be the people of God and if we're going to help this world, we have got to grow up in Jesus. This world is a mess. And sadly, a chunk of the church is right there with them. I feel a mounting pressure from God, a mounting obligation to God to grow as a disciple of Jesus, to get better as a disciple, and to get better at discipling the people of God. I look all around me today, and I feel distraught. I'm heartbroken, and I'm crushed by the things I see. And as a follower of Jesus, I am especially devastated to recognize it's happening on my watch. This is our hour. The world is our responsibility. And the things happening in the world right now are happening on our watch. Jesus says to his people, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Guys, we have got to shine brighter, and we have got to salt better. The truth is there are simply far too many Christians in churches today who are still mired and stuck in the same things they've been mired and stuck in for 10 or 20 or 50 years. Things they've been stuck in since childhood, things they've been stuck in since college. There are far too many Christians in churches today steeped in selfishness, or self-pity, or pettiness. There are so, way too many Christians in churches today more concerned about their retirement account than about the kingdom of God, more concerned about their politics than about the salvation of the lost. This world is a mess, and much of the church seems stuck, confused, and in many cases, manipulated by the media and politics and the culture and popular opinion. I see it all the time. I see Christians defending President Trump over things that are frankly indefensible. And I see a whole different group of Christians attacking President Trump over things that are not true or are not fair or are not right. 
You have people watching inexcusable behavior by individuals and then generalizing that behavior to entire categories of people, making sweeping statements about old people or about young people or about white people or about black people, and every bit of it is sin. I'm watching Christians being led around by their noses, manipulated by the media and politicians and political movements and the culture and popular opinion and never once recognizing what's happening to them. The the Apostle Paul spoke directly to this problem when he wrote that the church must grow up. We must learn and be trained and become mature. Then, he wrote in Ephesians 4.14, then, when we grow up and become mature, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Those words have never been more important than they are today. The church needs to grow up. How do we do that? Well, actually, Paul begins to tell us in the very next verse. He says, instead, instead of being tossed around, instead of being blown around, instead of being manipulated by cunning and crafty men, instead, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Paul's words here clearly imply we are never going to grow up until we start speaking the truth in love to one another. Until we love each other enough to call each other on our issues. Proverbs 27, 6 says, The wounds of a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Listen, the wounds of a friend can be trusted. If somebody really loves you well, they will be willing to tell you the truth. If somebody really loves you well, They will be willing to call you on your stuff. Stuff you may need to fix. Stuff you may need to change. Some of the biggest changes in my life happened because somebody loved me enough to tell me I needed to change. At the beginning of Matthew 18, the disciples are wrapped up in themselves. They were prideful and competitive and self-seeking and they did not see it. They were so blind to their own bad state that they actually tried to drag Jesus into their petty, self-seeking dispute. And Jesus responded to them the only way he could. Because Jesus lived out discipleship culture. And because Jesus really, really loved them, he had to call them on their sin. They asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus responded by calling them to childlike humility. 
The world needs the church to be what it was created to be. A family of disciples who make disciples. A people committed to the Lord Jesus. A people committed to one another. And a people committed to growing up in Jesus. And that means we have to love one another enough to call each other on our issues. In the kingdom of God, listen to me. Listen, in the kingdom of God, people don't talk about people behind their backs because they lovingly talk to them face to face. And if we will not commit to that basic discipleship principle, we will never grow up like we should. And we will never help the world like we should. From time to time as I talk with people, somebody will share with me a thought or a concern or a frustration they have about somebody else. Something that demonstrates real insight, genuine pastoral insight into some issue in some other person's life. And my response is always the same. I say, you need to go and talk to them about it. How will they ever grow up? How will they ever change if you won't go and talk to them about it? Sadly, very few people take that counsel. Nine times out of ten, they look at me and they say, they won't listen to what I have to say. And my response is always the same. I say, as the people of God, we don't do the right thing because we think it will work. As the people of God, we do the right thing because it is the right thing. We do the right thing because it pleases and glorifies the Lord Jesus. Whether or not they listen to you is not your responsibility. But whether or not you give them the opportunity is 100% your responsibility. Having said all of that, let me be clear. To be an authentic part of this sort of a discipleship community, to be an authentic part of this kind of a discipleship culture, you also have to be open to being called on stuff. Love is also willing to listen. You need to be willing to listen. If somebody loves you enough, if somebody who loves you comes to you and suggests you might need to change something, you need to be open to consider that possibility. I remember once years ago, a friend of mine was talking to another guy and telling him about some stuff in his life. He said, brother, I think this is a blind spot in your life. The other guy said, I don't see it. That's what a blind spot is. It's the definition of a blind spot. And every single person has them, which, by the way, is often the reason so many Christians are still struggling, still stuck in the same things 10 years, 20 years, 50 years later. Because when people do lovingly come to you and call you on your issues, you get angry. You get defensive. You say, who do you think you are? You're no better than I am. And rather than listen and consider changing, you attack them. Or you pout. The question is, do you love well enough to be willing to help your friends see their blind spots? And do you want to change enough to be willing to let other people show you yours? Let me just clarify one more thing as I close. I am not talking here about venting your spleen 
I want to be clear about getting angry and while you're angry, going to someone because you're angry. That has nothing to do with discipleship. That has nothing to do with love. That is petty and self-centered. And if you have a tendency to do that, to go to people when you're angry and vent your spleen at them, you probably need to be called on it. Because that is not what I'm talking about. It's not constructive. It's not redemptive. So as we begin looking over the course of the next month or so at Matthew chapter 18 and learn how to love others well, we really want to grow up in this area. To love Jesus and to love the world enough to really, really want to change. And to love other people enough to be willing to call them on their issues. Let's pray. Father, we thank you as we always thank you for the power and the clarity of your word. You have not left us to figure this out on our own. You have not left us to guess what love looks like. You have not left us to guess how to love one another and serve one another in the kingdom of God. You have shown us clearly in your word. You've sent Jesus to live out the example. Father, we thank you for that. Help us to grow in love. Help us to love people well. And help us to do it biblically according to the values of the kingdom of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.